Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V, we interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Carlos Luna. Hi. Hi, Carlos. Hey, hey guys. What's going on? Uh, not much. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's so nice. It's our pleasure. Um, you are a bit of a, a special guest. Mm-hmm. Um, we, our fans know that we usually have animation industry folks or comics or um, generally like in the visual arts, I would say. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've known you for many years. Um, yeah. You have had a very interesting career. You have, you worked in music industry for a while. You um, have done all kinds of, you've worked design and now you're a producer for uh, tabletop RPGs. Is that a good description? Sort of. Yeah. That kind of sums it all up. Cool. Well, we're done. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. I felt good. Yeah. Good. Um, it's, yeah. It's good when somebody spells out all your accomplishments, right? Oh, that was good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So, and uh, I find you a very interesting person, uh, but you also, uh, we met recently and we chatted about, you know, how to work with social media and how to work um, the internet. And mm. I think you have a lot of really interesting stuff to say. And so... Um, I'd love to hear about it. I think that there there's a lot to pull from for anybody. Anybody that's running a webcomic like V and I have or any kind sure. of content. Um, so we'll, we'll dig into that. But let's take it back to the start, uh, your start. Okay. And uh, tell us kind of how uh, you first got into the creative, you know, things. Doing creative things, I guess, as a kid or in high school, whenever. Yeah, Um I don't think, I I think I was always a creative kid in terms of like um, coming up with things to do or just being funny. I was kind of a ham, I guess. And just always like, um, I was always kind of like the leader in the group, um, making sure everyone was having fun and that type of thing. But I don't, I I don't think uh, art was really... um, uh, impressed upon us as a career. <laughs> like I don't, like I remember drawing in my room, but I was really, really bad at it. And like my parents didn't really like, um, help grow that even in high school, like we didn't take art classes or anything like that. Like I remember my senior year. So not only in high school did, did I not take those classes, but I also took summer school every year. Even though oh. I didn't have to, oh, okay. like wow. I wasn't failing anything. Like I, I was on honor roll, you know. Uh, but my, I, I think my parents just wanted us to just like get a, a better education than them. Um, so by the time I got to senior year, I was I had enough credits to graduate. I didn't even have to do senior year. Um, so I actually had to take Damn. some actual creative classes. So I got to take a creative writing class. And a photography class, I still remember it to this day. Like, those are the only creative classes I've ever taken. Um, and I was like, I don't know what it was, but after high school, I was just like, I'm going to do cool stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think some kids get out of high school and they kind of go crazy and they're like, yeah, let's drink. And, you know, I'm going to uh, rebuild my car, build a car or like, you know what I mean? Like, chase <laughs> dames. Uh, they're 19... 1920s yeah Yeah, people chase dames and rebuild cars what kind of life do you think people lead i don't know what 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 kids do um but i was i I tried the whole college thing and i didn't like it It, it's not that i did here's the thing it felt more of the same like school was never hard for me 
So mm-hmm. it's just like showing up and it's just yeah. like, yeah, j- you just answer the questions that they talked about last week. Like, you, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I got like more than halfway done and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a band. I started playing guitar at that time and I'm like, I'm just going to start a band. And I don't know. It, it, I didn't really have a history when it comes to art, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, it wasn't until I became an adult that I was like, when I was in my twenties, I was just like, yeah, you can do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I am a fan of the band. I, um, saw you guys open for Foxy Shazam back in like, Oh wow. Yeah. 20 God. I don't even know. 2010, something like yeah. that. You probably know better. Um, I don't rem- I remember that show, yeah. but I don't remember when that was. They just played Riot Fest. Like I, I, I just saw a picture of my buddy uh, take a picture yeah. with them. Yeah, no, they had a hiatus and they came back. Um, but it was an amazing show. We're dipping into. We have another show that's called Music Box. That's music specific, but you're kind of all over the map. So, mm. um, it it was a it was an awesome show. Um, I actually enjoyed your guys' set more than Foxy Shazam's. Oh damn! But I I know yeah. high praise, but I I think. Um, <laughs> It, it's rare that you go to a show and the opener has such an energy that you like get, I don't mm. know, like, you know, it like really pulls you in. And so I yeah. remember just being like, holy sh- fucking shit. Like I was just like, these guys are awesome. And um, what I always wanted to ask you about is like, how heavily involved were you in the writing process of, um, of the music? Oh, super heavily involved. Okay. Uh, the band was basically just, two people it was me and sean leonard and we were it, it we both dropped out of the same college together to do the band thing um and yeah we would just sit there and we would write all the songs and we would do all the parts and you know including drums and bass like we would do everything um and a lot of that was just built by design over the years of like having working with flaky people that would yeah. like drop out of the band or mm-hmm. you know not follow through and i think we went through like six bass players by the time we got signed like it was just new bass player every year oh um, wow yeah it was and it was hard that way but yeah no i loved all the parts of the band um you know the music is like the least of it but like I was really good at writing hooks. So I would be writing like choruses a lot, a lot of counter melody, um, a lot of the actual melody. Uh, Sean has a great talent of just like being able to just write music and get it down. Um, But I have a really great talent of like being able to refine and like pull out the fun stuff, both in like, like, you know, visually and like through music. Like, I've always been really good at that. That's how me and uh, yeah, my bandmate are too. Like he he has all the raw talent. Rem, what's up? Shout out! I know he's listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just raw talent. But then I I kind of feel like I can like refine and you know yeah. Like I said, listened like, to your band the other day. Oh, did you? What'd you think? Yeah, I I think that you guys are great. You remind you. me of like um. Oh God, what are those? Uh, mindless self indulgence. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, right. Me too. No, like... I mean a hundred percent. Yeah, it's hard to deny that I I'm a huge fan. Um, yeah, I is Ludo in there? Do you have Ludo? A in little, there? a little, a little bit. But I, yeah. you know what? I um, I think it's the theatricality. It is. It is. Because and and that I could trace more to like Muse and um, mm, you know, my comical romance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely. I, yeah, because I've listened to Ludo. I I love 
Love Me Dead. I think that song's a banger, yeah, but the, I, I could sure. never get into anything else. But um, but thank you. That's on the record. Yeah. Everyone has to. Um, everyone knows now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. Like there was something about the way that you guys wrote those songs that it's just so like raw. I mean, I assume there was a lot of Blood Brothers in there, right? Because it feels like there there was. I know you get that all the time. Yeah. So I was. I like music. <laughs> it's so funny. I like music. I might not be the biggest, like, oh, this album and that album and all this, and I'm not always discovering things. Um, I, I think again for me, like, I, I had never been in a band before, and I was like, I'm gonna do this band thing. I'm, I'm gonna make this happen, and that was like my first band. Uh, I hadn't only been playing guitar for like a year or two, um, and even in the band, I, I started playing piano and synth, and I had never played before but like really yeah i had literally never played i was just like we need to be like i remember having a conversation like we need to be a band like this and then wrote down all these things and and just try to cobble it together um but yeah what what was it what were we just talking about like sorry i got Uh, i I mentioned blood brothers as an influence Yeah. yeah so it's funny because i have a like my best friend dave he he was in a band and he was doing all that stuff and we became best friends after the band period um and he loves my album my studio album mm-hmm. and he's just like how did you do this like what were you listening to at that time and he's like obviously x y and z and i was just like honestly i only liked one or two songs from those bands yeah and he's just like but what about this band this band and he starts naming like hundreds of hardcore bands or post hardcore mm-hmm. and i'm like I didn't know any of those bands. And he's like, so maybe that's why I like it. Cause you sound like, like I had such enthusiasm for a type of music I had never heard before and had no interest in, in discovering, but only creating, if that makes any sense. Like, it was like, I, I felt like I discovered it. I felt like I made it, you know, and it never felt like, oh, this is a Green Day song. Oh, this is a Blink-182 song, or we should sound more like this band or that band. It was just like, this is new. Listen, even though the, the this, these types of melodies or songs or whatever had been around for a long time with a lot of different bands, um, I think it was just n- sometimes art is better when like you don't know where it comes from. Yeah. So you can be like a little bit more fearless in exploring it, right? Like. I feel like that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so what was that arc like? Because, um, yeah, when I saw you guys, I don't think you were signed yet. And then the band got signed to Victory Records, right? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and then you uh, kind of pieced out after that. So what uh, what happened there? Yeah, it's funny when – it's so funny. Um, a, a lot of times when we look at – bands or creators or actors or whatever we see them as just getting started because that's when we discovered them you know like um there could be like sugar ray right <laughs> so like sugar ray well hold on here hear me out hear me out right <laughs> so like sugar I'm, ray I'm, I'm hearing you out sugar ray came out with that album with fly on it right uh-huh. yeah like their first big album but prior to that they were a hardcore band like they did thrash rock they had like three albums before that album i didn't know that that's interesting exactly but that's but that's the thing like the clock starts when we discover people right and the the clock starts when the zeitgeist discovers people or the scene discovers people but i guess what i'm saying is like yeah that was my first album that i did on victory but i had been playing in this band for eight years you know Mm -hmm. like 
almost my all of my 20s were spent on this band not going anywhere not doing anything just like grinding and um you know before we got signed we were working on an ep and i was like you know what man like i think i'm done with the band and then it was like well we have these eps we have a little money left over let's just record them and send them out and see what we can do see if we can get signed and which is a very interesting story on how we got signed but i was like okay cool let's do that i sent it out but i was kind of already done and not expecting to hear back but we heard back from like four labels like oh wow four labels is incredible like hearing back from one label is insane yeah Mm -hmm. like hearing back from four like doesn't happen especially when like I don't know. You ha- you hear so many people like just grinding forever and like trying to get the attention. Like, and we weren't people in, th- in the know, like, right. Like we didn't know anyone like coming out to LA. It's just kind of like, you can kind of figure out like who to know or who to track down or, or just over time, even with like the internet, you can figure stuff out a lot easier now um, than it was in like freaking 12 years ago. Uh, but e- we didn't know anyone and then we got signed and I was like, uh, I guess I should just try it out. So I stayed another like year and a half. We recorded the album, we toured on it and then we got into a car accident and then I'm like, you know what? I'm done. Shit. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, what am I doing? I don't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can barely afford rent. I'm basically a t-shirt salesman. Uh, <laughs> I'm not like making money off this. I'm just making money off t-shirts. I'm like, yeah. you know what? whatever you said that to me the other day and i i really rang true um because i i don't i don't think people fully understand like we talk a lot about animation and um you know what it takes to kind of hustle and grind within that field but with music like there's really no way to earn money except through like t-shirts like you especially not until you play those huge venues right because then yeah you can pull in you know thousands of dollars but when you're playing small shows you get such a small cut of the door or whatever the cover and um and like streams pay virtually nothing you those numbers have to be so high so it really does feel sometimes like you're writing all these songs and you're playing these shows but really it's all it's all a commercial for the merch and for the shirts or whatever and so uh support your local band buy a t-shirt at their show yeah 100 percent, and buy it at the show because yeah. that's where the bands like, actually make money. That's true. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, selling, I've been trying to figure out how to sell merch online and create sort of an online, um, I don't know, merch brand. But that, but that's such a loaded thing. And, like, it, it's just hard to get people to click confirm on a shopping cart online. And, like, yeah. and it's expensive. And, you know, people get used to Amazon prices. But, <laughs> like, in yeah, reality, print on like, demand is yeah. pretty much king right now. Yeah. It's because, like, uh, you're not going to pay for space and you're, you can't do the shipping and you can't, you know, yeah. you know yeah. any of that stuff. And even then, like a shirt is like $20 and uh, you'll pocket like maybe five. Probably. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's rough and, and that's, it's very true. So you hit that wall and you uh, realized that you just weren't into it. Right. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done. And, but, um, and when I left, like I had no, I, I had like a full, I never told you this, but like, I had like a full nervous breakdown. Hmm. Like I had spent my entire adult life trying to build something 
And like everything in my life was built around it. Like all my friends, my best friends and like my side friends, what I did like on the weekends, who I hung out with. And, you know, there was so much shame and embarrassment and just like built into the failure, especially when there's so many people like, I can't believe you did that because you, you know, you're signed and you can be doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, I don't want to. And just like, I knew for the longest time I was, I kept doing it because I was afraid like my friends would hate me. Like my best friends Mm -hmm. would hate me and peer pressure. Yeah. And they (laughs) kind of did one of them. Like one of them did one of them didn't care. And the other one's just like, Hey, we're still friends, but Mm -hmm. it's, it all disintegrated anyways. Mm -hmm. And everything that I thought I was also disintegrated. So I was just like, so freaking depressed. I was like, you know, I was, I had to get into therapy and I, you know, I was on antidepressants and I literally, when I left, I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. You can have, I I felt so guilty. I was like, you could have all my gear. Like you could. And I, I just let him have it. Like I thousands of dollars worth of gear. Right. I was just, I just felt so bad about it. I was just like, yeah, you have my part of the van that I paid off and I was do whatever you guys want with it. And I just felt bad. And I felt like I was leaving them high and dry because, again, like it was just me and Sean being the driving force. And I feel like a lot of it was me uh, in terms of the creation stuff. So, like, you know, creating flyers or Mm -hmm. doing this online stuff and figuring out all that shit. And, um, yeah, when I was done with it, I didn't know what to do next. And I was, you know, kind of going crazy uh i don't like using that word but i remember at one point i I kept finding like all these weird things um that i thought would become my future so like future books (laughs) it's so funny you're insane it um i was at like a renegade craft fair and i saw like these uh this guy who was selling uh books that were hollowed out so you can like put stuff in it or um books that were like hollowed out and they had like a you pull it back and it's like a light switch so it's like a secret book that like turns off a light switch i tell you what man i was so desperate for a project or like feeling like because i i love work i'm a workaholic uh i was like i'm gonna make secret books and then (laughs) the the girl i was (laughs) the girl I, i was dating at the time came home and i had bought all these books from the thrift store they just lined like big columns lined our living room and she was like like a hundred right like such a like that would be such a like yeah like over the top like manic episode thing oh yeah i'm gonna get the future books (laughs) and i must have sounded crazy because i was like secret books babe don't you get it it's the future. It's like books. really dilated pupils. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, I ended up, I remember I was having these panic attacks and I, I didn't know what a panic attack was. I had never yeah. had one before. And it, it, it felt horrible, obviously, um, but I couldn't regulate my body. It felt like my body, like I was sick. Like I couldn't regulate my body, my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one time I was, it, I, I had gotten out of the shower and I had taken like a really cold shower because I couldn't like, I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, and I thought my body was overheating or something. And I remember laying down in my bed and I could see myself from above, which I, I, I don't have a, a mind's eye. 
like at all. And I remember like looking down at myself, like kind of like curled up in the fetal position. And I was terrified. My girlfriend at the time was going to get hit by a truck hmm. and she was in the living room. It's very specific. And I, and I told her, and she's like, you got, you got to see, we got to see someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started seeing a therapist and I started on medication and you know, when the time was right, my therapist was like, you should do something fun, not make it about work. Like you're a funny guy. Why don't you do stand up? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I will make stand up about making the joke, the best joke of all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I will, I will make it a job and make it the best joke. Um, so I actually, she brought me a brochure for second city in Chicago. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. She was like, why don't you learn stand up?" And I was like, uh, they had a stand up program and I was like, um, I don't know. And I, and again, I hadn't been leaving the house either. Like I hadn't been leaving the house. I hadn't been hanging with, out with anyone. I basically didn't know anyone. So, uh, I get to second city and going to sign up for this thing. And I, I kind of didn't know what was going on when I was signing up for stuff. And I was like, this comic thing seems stupid. No one here is a comic. Like these are all improvisers. <laughs> so when I got up to the, the to the center, I was like, I'm going to do improv. I'm like, I signed up for level one, second city improv um, and fell madly in love with it. And like, it changed my life. Like it changed a lot of my anxiety helped with a lot of my anxiety helped me like start talking to people a little bit easier uh helped me perform like it helped me to stop performing so much in my everyday life and just trust that i had like answers that i was Mm -hmm. that was competent you know um yeah and then i did the improv thing (laughs) for many for like five years of course i made it i made it a job guys well, of course I, yeah, I started like, my own yeah. improv training center and had my own weekly show. And of course I did all that stuff. Um, but yeah. And then that led to TTRPGs. Cool. Very cool. And so that's unlocked a whole career path for you now. Oh yeah. All the stuff that I had been doing in the band. So the video stuff, the design stuff, like all of it, the audio stuff, all of it kind of came out a little bit. It did really well in improv because no one has those skills. It's so funny how competitive music is. And then you get into these other cultures. They all use, they all use, and they need the same exact thing that music needed, except no one knows these things and no one is even trying to make them. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember like, I took an improv class and it was just like, I was like, we should make a flyer. And like, yeah. since I could draw, I, I did it. But yeah, if it wasn't, yeah, no, I, I totally see what you mean. Yeah. Like <laughs> no one really knows. And a, a lot of, a lot of art. Um, I feel like a lot of people that do art or like come from that side of it, not from a promotional marketing or a, this should do something for us side besides the art itself. Most people think that their art should speak for itself and that if it's good, people will understand. And that's how things, that's why things are better, I guess. (laughs) That's how you know you're good. Um, It's like people find and they like it. Right. But like no one thinks about the marketing that went into all of the stuff that they love. Like no one Mm -hmm. thinks and like, you know, like, Oh, I remember, in the early 2000s i loved avril lavigne it's like yeah man 
they spent billions of dollars mm-hmm. so you would love her. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that you would hear about her and being on every end cap and on every. It's like, why can't music be more like that where you just discover artists? It's like, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is quite a fallacy. I, I think that, um, and that's, we were meeting up to talk about that the other day. Um, because I'm currently in that business. I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to get people to uh, listen to my fucking band. And um, and you had a lot of interesting stuff to say about it um, because it, it really does come down to... It, it's not... Like we were saying earlier, it's like it's not about the music. It's not about um, even like mm. the music videos, really. It's, it's, now it's become so much more about just like personality and um i don't know you you could probably speak to that better but you had a lot of really that really interesting stuff to say about that yeah i think everyone like all art comes down to like nothing is really pure i think everything is you know i talk about art being 360 degrees because i can get the best printer in the world and i can make an exact replica of the mona lisa right and I'm like, it's the Mona Lisa and hanging up in my room. And you're like, um, who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, it's the exact thing. It's the exact same thing. So at that point, it doesn't matter that it's the Mona Lisa. Right. It only matters that there's a specific one that a specific dude held that a specific dude made. It makes it worse that a printer had to do it. And it's ink and it's fake. It's it's fake. Right. Like in our head, we we say this is fake. This isn't real. How is that possible? And it's because there's a story that is attached to all artwork, whether you know the specifics of it or you don't. It's when people talk about like, oh, I went to the park with my father and I saw a statue and it was great and blah, blah, blah. And it means X, Y, and Z. And they research it and they know everything about the statue and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, it's the story behind it. Like if I put that at the bottom of the sea, if I put that in a McDonald's playland, is it going to have the same effect? So artists, 360 degrees, it's not only the canvas and the paint and the per, but it's the person who made it. It's the paintbrush he used and it's the, it's the wall that it's on, right? There's a difference mm-hmm. between my room having the Mona Lisa <laughs> and the Louvre. Right? I think there's like, also, I think there's definitely that context, but there's also a, um, like an elite that will decide this is, yeah. this is art. It's not, yeah. it's, yeah, it's not just about the, uh, the creator it's also about society that that put together a little group of people who have the power to decide well you know like this is art that we should be looking at right now <laughs> yeah i think there is an i think that there is an expectation and that people have when it comes to different types of art right like there's an expectation when i go to john mulaney's netflix special Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to going to the dive bar open mic. Mm -hmm. Um, There are expectations that we all have. And there are I don't know. I believe that we all have the same amount of power. Like we all have the same amount of power. There is no true comedy show. It's, again, a bunch of people deciding that night what is funny and what is not funny. So in that respect, we all have that type of elite power. I don't, I don't think any one person has that though. Like, I don't, I think people have access and money and can broadcast their voice louder uh, than other people. But I, I don't, I don't know. 
I think I mostly, I kind of like mostly think about like when I say like an elite power, I think kind of like, I mean, for example, like if you, if we were talking about the Mona Lisa or like fine art, mm -hmm. uh, you had kind of like a commission of people who would kind of put together these art shows and you had to submit your paintings to get into the art show. So if already you didn't get into that curated space, you're already kind of out of the game, no matter how good your, your painting is. It's just because it had to fit a certain set of standards. Um, and then once you're in the show, you're going to have the critiques that are going to be there. And I think we can see that now too, if you look at publications like the New Yorker for books, uh, you know, you have like crit uh, critiques kind of like uh, voicing whether or not this should be a book that is pushed up. Um, that's yeah. why people hire um, PR. Uh, like, for example, if you want to have a book on the New York Times bestseller list, you you need to hire someone that's going to like market it, market the book, um, because it's just like, I don't think a book uh by itself can re reach the bestseller list like i think there needs to be like a lot of work done and same for like you know that's kind of where i'm kind of thinking like it like depending on what art we're talking about there is going to be a, and i think uh, a certain uh group of people who are going to say yes or no at some point of the process but right. i think what's great now the internet breaks these barriers a little bit yeah. So now we don't have as much like, I, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of like upset about the internet because they're like, well, we, we're, they're losing power because it's like now, you know, if I, I do feel like if your quality, your stuff is really good, people can stumble up, upon it and kind of like have like word of mouth or like the algorithm is the elite now, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely. So I, 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 I think it all really boils down to just access, right? Like yeah. People talk about like the zeitgeist dying down. Like there is no zeitgeist anymore. They've, everything's just spl been splintered off. And I think what it really tells is that there is, everyone just has access to everything, to more information than we've ever had mm -hmm. in the yeah. history of humankind. Mm -hmm. And there is the filter system that we used to have, which were like critics, right? Or mm -hmm. like executives. Um, they all had motivation for what they did and, and what they make. Like when we talk about like, oh, you could be good and not get into an art exhibit. I would actually say that like being good is nowhere near what they're looking for for art exhibits. Um, like what they're looking for is just like, will we be, will we be able to sell tickets? You know, like mm -hmm. are people interested in this? And, and I think being able like yeah being able to expose people like is really what everyone is trying to do and that power they're trying to wield like new the new yorker right like all mm -hmm. they need to do is sell new yorkers right yeah they mm -hmm. and they they do that by trying to expose people to a thing so they themselves are a brand so these elites exactly. are actually yeah. brands right exactly yeah and mm -hmm. it's like you know with everyone having access, we started cutting out the middleman of we need a brand to, you know, promote our brand, you yeah. know, um, and it still works like that, though, like people are brands, like individual people. Um, I mean, that's why we're able to see like people build lives on Patreon, right? They're yeah. individual people working person to person. Uh, just doing their thing and it's all but it's all the same right everyone's still doing the same thing like 
you are a person and you have opinions and you hope that someone else listens to that opinion, whether or not you have access or power to anything, right? Mm -hmm. you, you might not have, you know, your own exhibit hall or your own magazine or whatever, but you have friends and you have people you interact with. And there is some, there is some sort of power dynamic wherever you go, whether it's a power dynamic of like, actual power quote unquote actual power sure. money making power i'll say yeah mm -hmm. money making power and actual like in social influence because social currency is huge now like it was it was way harder to prove social currency in the 90s or 80s or 70s but now it's like it's a number it's a number right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it's so strange yeah, yeah it's really interesting about? i don't remember what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's all good um you had an interesting um, method, I guess, um, to approaching, I guess it was specifically TikTok, but I think um, it probably applies to a lot of things. And it was your, uh, your, your Gilligan's Island theory about like types of people oh. and types of content. I, yeah, I would love yeah. for you to unpack that because I think it's really good. Yeah. So, um, so you're a creator, let's say you're a creator and you're just like, I can't handle one more freaking platform. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't handle it. I can't learn it. I can't do anything. I try to break things down as simple as possible so I don't get overwhelmed and so that I can easily turn things out because uh, there's so many times when I'm just like, is it great? And that doesn't work for the internet anymore. Uh, it doesn't need to be great. You don't need to be great. And I think it says more like psychologically about a person. You know, like you don't need to be great. You just need to exist. And that's all people want. They just want mm -hmm. you to exist. So whenever I see someone, you know, I, I go in these meetings all, all the time and I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And people are always starting from scratch. Like, what are we going to do online? What are we going to do online? And like, we got this new product coming out and they treat everything like it's brand freaking new and everything's been done right throughout history. But I like to categorize. No, everyone thinks about like A to B, like we're going to do something and they're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the businesses that do this really bad, like that do it really poorly and are like, we have something. Why don't you buy it? Here's the price tag on it. Here's this. And I don't think you need to do that. I think you just need to show up and have content, valuable content. So mm -hmm. content that people watch that they find valuable, whether that's entertaining or you know it has to do with numbers or whatever um and people get really caught up in this and they try to figure out like okay well what's our what's our angle what's our you know we're the smart we're the smart brand so we should talk about being smart all the time and that's what they do right they talk about like um we built a new drill and it has this many rpms and you know it has the softest handle and it carries the most has the most torque and that's all they talk about. But if you can divide your content creation up into these little buckets, you'll get way more mileage and you'll get way more customers and all different types of customers. So I divide it up into Gilligan's Island. So on Gilligan's Island, we have a bunch of different archetypes and we can use those instead of thinking of them as people, we start, we can think of them as content. So how we look at content. So yeah, let's go back to our, um, our drill, right? 
So we have our drill. It's like, this is the torque on it. And, you know, uh, this is why it's so much better than the drill 5,000. The drill 10,000 is a million times better. Scientifically proven. Okay, that's the professor, right? Mm -hmm. So we did a couple of those professor ones. Guys, we should stop posting these professor ones. Let's talk to other people who aren't interested in the professor. Like, who else is really cool on the island? Like, oh, what about Marianne? Marianne's pretty cool. Like, okay, cool. Um, So Marianne's about family and friends it's about like your history and nostalgia cool i remember when i was helping my dad build a clubhouse you know when i was little and maybe we show our drill there and how easy it made and it's not about the drill it's just about like those memories that we made cool that's a marianne um maybe i got my drip maybe it's important that like a celebrity is attached to it so like we get ryan reynolds to use our drill and he makes like a deadpool sign in the middle of Times square awesome that's the celebrities. People will be sold by that. Um, certain people. And these are these are certain types of content, but they're directed towards certain types of people because certain types of people care about that stuff. Um, you know, we have um, maybe we take our drill and we we dip it in gold and we sell the gold edition of our brand, you know, and it's, you know, a thousand dollar drill. Man, that's Mr. Howell. Someone will buy that. Some people... Some people interact with your brand, have no intention on like writing you on Twitter or starting an Instagram account. They have no intention on talking about it with their friends, but they like having that really expensive thing on the top shelf, right? They're the ones who buy the, the, the book and then the variant copy of the book. Uh, they buy the special edition every single time because it makes them feel good. And that's how they like to participate in their, in that brand. You know, and it goes down the line. You can make some funny video and that would be like a Gilligan or you can, you know, uh, talk, talk about authority. So like maybe you can give out the plans for that clubhouse you built as a kid. And that would be, you know, a skipper because you're talking with authority to everyone. This is how you should build in. This is how you should use our drill. Um, Mrs. Howell cares about, you know, social aspects and, you know, uh, the community and like being, um, a social butterfly. So yeah, how you interact with people, maybe you ask questions, maybe you answer those questions. It's there, there's a million things that you can be doing. That's not just like, this is the torque power on my thing. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how I explain the killing. I like it. <laughs> I, no, I think it's interesting. And I think I, I, I love how you find ways to, uh, like compartmentalize this stuff. I don't know, because because it is so hard to wrap your head around, like what the hell do people want to see? And there's so many different people, and so I I just I always love hearing examples of how people try to um, like categorize these things and make it a little bit easier, make it a little more structured than yeah. Because you like you kind of get what ends up happening is you always want to be proud of something, and you know if chances are you're neurodivergent in some way you want to be you want to be entertained by the thing you're making so what ends up happening is like i see people trying to do the entertaining thing for themselves the thing that like fuels them um and a lot of times we go back to the same old thing that always fueled us and sometimes when you have these like i call them generators 
So like sometimes when you have like a Marianne generator, it gets you thinking in a different way and it's even more fun. Like, yeah, I will drill down on the professor every day when I'm working with a brand. I don't know why it's just easier because it's like in stone. I'm not wrong at all. Um, but if they're like, yeah, we want to do a Marianne, I'll be like, oh yeah, this'll be really fun. I haven't done one of these in forever. And it, it, it scratches a different itch that I might not have volunteered early on. And I think if we look at creating content, short form, long form, any type of content uh, through that lens, it, we'll get stuck. We won't get stuck as easy as we used to. Yeah. Do you, when you talk about um, these different like pockets of how you look at how you uh, advertise the brand, are you thinking, for example, uh, while you're making the brand or strictly for uh, promotional materials like like TikTok videos or flyers or like, um, yeah, the question is, what's the, at what moment of the brand do you think about all these boxes like the gilligan's island boxes <laughs> oh do i do it just for that no i do it for everything so mm -hmm. like if i have to do like um so i had to do a bunch of videos for youtube channel and it's built into everything that i do and i talk about whether or not i explain it like that i'm always trying to check like certain boxes um, just so there's a variety in there, unless it's like specifically, we know this user journey, we are only focusing on this user journey. This should only help this user journey. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always trying to check all those boxes, whether it's advertising. I mean, I feel like there, there are two buckets when it comes to advertising, right? There's, there's marketing and then there's advertising. And, you know, advertising is kind of like, it is more like pay to play awareness, right? We're trying mm -hmm. to work on the top of the funnel, get people aware of our thing. And, you know, those can use Gilligan, Gilligan's Island for sure. Um, and then you have kind of like marketing, branding, mm -hmm. which is more like we're creating something of value for people, mm -hmm. you know, like um something of value for people that people will like and enjoy and yeah we kind of want them to be aware of our brand um but that's not the only thing we actually want to delight them i think people kind of miss the point kind of combine those two together sometimes and get lost right mm -hmm. like um like you guys want people to be aware of your podcast right so you're like oh we got to do some advertising um I would think you need to do advertising and marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to do both of those things. And you're like, well, we want people to listen. So we should say, listen now online. And it's just like, well, w w what are you actually saying that mm -hmm. is important to you as someone that reads that? Like if I read that, I'm like, oh, you know what's important to this, to this podcast that I listen to them. That has no value for me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yep. It's none whatsoever. Like what does have value for me is when think of like a, um, you're at a party, right? Like you're, you're at a, a, a little, your friend's house party or whatever. You would never go up to a group of people and be like, listen to my podcast and then <laughs> peace out. Right. <laughs> you, you would yeah. go up to, you would find a group of people. You, maybe you would be random, be like random group. Here I go. 
I'm going to start talking to them. Mm -hmm. Um, but even that seems weird because you haven't like learned about them. You haven't like decided what you want to talk about. Um, so even giving them value at that point is kind of weird. If anything, you should look around the room, see people that you would like maybe want to talk to, or maybe would want to talk to you. You go into the group, you say hello, and then you just listen. Right. And then from listening, you get you've gathered information about them and then you can talk to them about what they care about. So, yeah, this guy's building a I don't know. I keep talking about clubhouses, but like <laughs> this guy's building a clubhouse with his kids. Then you, you you show the clip of like of you building a clubhouse with your dad. You know what I mean? Like then you're just like, hey, check out these plans we made for blah, blah, blah. And he finds that useful. He's like, oh, yeah, I am looking for plans. Cool. And at no point are you like, listen to creative block. Like at no point are you like if people find value in what you're giving, mm -hmm. they will learn you and they will know you and they'll actually like you a lot more. Like if advertising is saying is putting up a poster in every corner saying like, um, love this brand, love this brand. And then like um, marketing is actually coming up with those ideas. Then branding is what people say about you when you're not there. Like it's other, other people talking about you like, and you can't control that. People always talk about like, we got to work on our branding, man. You can't control that at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. If, mm -hmm. if, if I say like, Hey, get on this roller coaster, man. It's super scary. And then freaking a hundred people get on that roller coaster and it was delightful, but it wasn't scary. Yeah. Like I had a lot of fun. I wouldn't consider it scary. That roller coaster is not scary doesn't matter how many times you say it it's it's really not it's like oh but that's our branding man it's like it you don't control that part of it mm -hmm. <laughs> like if anything you, the the part of your branding is mixed messages <laughs> like yeah. like that's actually your branding yeah 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 i i think it's important to to get that across and, and be heard and, and as somebody who's been kind of i don't know if struggling is the right word but you know uh, challenged with um figuring out how to promote various projects that I do, um, it, it's a good thing to keep in mind uh, when you're kind of embarking on a new creative thing, I think, because um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bloody ocean, you know? Like, it, there's, there's so much content out there. Everyone's scrambling for the same audiences, basically. I mean, it's different groups and different niches, maybe, but it's still, it's, you know, you're trying to attract people's eyes when there's all kinds of shit happening. And so it, it helps to have an angle and it helps to be informed and know like what audience you're trying to hit. Um, and even the creative block, like V can speak to this too. Like we, we know what our audience is and it's like people who are trying to break into the industry, people who maybe are in the industry and that narrows it down considerably. Um, but even within that, it's still, it's like trying to, it's, we have to find people who have an interesting story to tell people who have an interesting perspective you know we've had people that are international because that's a different version of the same story um we have you you know we have somebody who doesn't really work in animation but uh has a lot of input on this so it's like even with something like our podcast like we try to i think market it and try different things and different um uh yeah different ways to, of pulling people in um, yeah, it's easier to think of like, like, um, like that's what you're creating, but you're also creating like your social media is a part of it too, right? So like, I I had to change this 
a while back where I used to think of like, oh, well, I got to make a flyer because it, it's in service to this show, right? Like I have to tell people like, so I can get aware and raise awareness and get people to show. Um, but then when I started to think about it in terms of like the fly, what if the fly, can the flyer exist by itself? Can the flight can like if people look at it, like, first of all, you've never been outside and you've gotten a flyer and you're like, oh, here's a band I've never heard of. I'm going to go see them on Thursday night. That has never happened in the history of things. Mm -hmm. If you've never heard of that band before. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you've never been like walking down the street and it's just like. You know, somebody's uh, done it. Somebody's been like, "Well, I got nothing going on that day." Yeah, I guess so. But that guy's doing every single band, right? So <laughs> I think it cancels it out. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I think I think it starts. You know, it starts canceling itself out. But I think, I think what that flyer does more than anything is it says that like more than I'm trying to use again the A and B, A to B. I want to get people to show. We should make flyers. In my head, I started thinking about it in terms of like, this won't get people to the show, but it will show people that we're playing a show and that's important. And it will show people the 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 art on this flyer says that we're professionals and that we get good work done and that we're someone to be noticed. So there's all these little signals going on at all mm -hmm. times. Um, and that when I started thinking about like, okay, everything I make is just a little signal. It, it doesn't have to accomplish anything like other than signaling, right? Like what does your cool new shirt have to accomplish? Nothing makes me look like a badass, you know, like, like that's all it really has to do. So when you start looking at social media, start looking at it, not in terms of like results, but in terms of like, you know, I'm painting the wall before I hang up the painting, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm vacuuming the floor. It's just like a nice rug is important in the experience I'm trying to cultivate. And when you start making those things of value, like I have incense when you walk in, so it smells nice, you know, and people like that. They like smelling a nice place instead of a, a bad smelling place. Um, when they find value in your work, that's all that's all there is because then they'll enjoy everything else they'll keep staying they'll keep coming back so you don't i guess what i'm trying to say is like stop thinking of um not you specifically sure. i mean if you're okay. a person listening to this stop thinking about the stuff that you create outside of your main project as as little helpers for your project they're not mm -hmm. they're not at all they are your project like you know what i mean like it's um you know, uh, it's a millipede with a million tiny legs. Yeah, I can take off one and he'll still be able to crawl. But if I take off all of them, it's not a millipede anymore. He's going to die, you know. Mm -hmm. And instead of thinking of it like, oh, I need to create these feet because I want to walk today. Just think I want to walk every day. I should be able to walk every day and not work on this when I have to. Um, think of it as one piece. And you'll be able to move so much faster. Like you can cut this podcast up into at least 20 clips and just like do, 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 do. And they all give value. Mm -hmm. And then you can work on how they look and how you want people to feel because people aren't going to listen to it, but they're going to look at it for like a second. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, things have changed, right? And it's like the, the attention spans are shorter and it's not like... Uh... 
it's i feel like that that's such a like boomer take it's like people's attention but it's like it's everyone's attention spans are shorter it's it's just because there's so much more stuff to experience and so it, it is a feed and it is it's in short little bursts like you said I think, yeah, and I think, like, people's attention spans are shorter, but it's not their attention span. It's their, it's their, um, it's their want to go through information. They don't want to go through information anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, we are, we are um, information rich and time poor. So the more time you can give to someone the more time you want to take the work out of it. So if the signal is yeah. like, hey, this looks like something I'd like them into. Like I look at your font, your, your font for block. Like I can't, it, it reads well, right? It reads like comic. Well, so I'm like, okay, this is me. Like I'm into stuff like this. If you can get those signals firing, like all, all tight, so you don't have to explain like, I don't think you need to explain anything anymore. Cause we, we've all grown up on the internet and we all can read and that includes an ad man like people can know what an ad looks like a mile mm-hmm, away mm-hmm. and if i am pressed for time the last thing i want to do is look at a piece of content and try to guess if it's an ad or not like if try to guess what this person is trying to get me to do because everyone is fucking sneaky out there mm-hmm. so it's like don't be sneaky just give them good stuff. Give it for free. Give it all mm-hmm. away for free. And then when you have something to purchase and they're activated, because you can't sell anything to anyone unless it's activated, unless they're activated, unless they, one, already have a deficit and they are going to purchase, or if they're in a phase where they're reviewing for a purchase, you can't sell anything. So don't even try. This is really like, good stuff. I want to explain the activated thing a little bit more. Yeah. So no one, no one, like, yes, there are impulse buys um, and, and all that. But like people go on different platforms to find, to, to fill different needs. And usually it's one of two. One, it's I want to be entertained or I need information. So depending on which platform you're on and what time and blah, 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 and how you're showing off your content, you're talking to one of the two people and the people that are looking for information, chances are they are on the verge of being activated or are activated to purchase. So they're trying to collect information to make an informed purchase on something. Um, While it's much harder to sell people for entertainment. So if you're on an entertainment platform like TikTok, why would you try to sell them? Like, you know, they're there to have fun. So when we talk about, it's so easy for like that boomer mentality of like, oh, no one has attention span. Yeah, dude, we're on to you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, like you can't sell cigarettes during kids shows anymore. We get it. Like, you know what I mean? You should be upset. Like that was sneaky. Like McDonald's Playland was sneaky. Like. There's all these things that like people are able to read through the marketing now. People are able because they're so transparent, right? It's so transparent. And like what you need to like, um, I think we saw with the rise of like Instagram in the 2000s and in the mid 2000s where it was like, look at me on my yacht. Look at me here. Look at me. This the glam. We all started learning the tactics that marketing agencies were using on us for years. 
and we are applying it to ourselves without a team, which hadn't happened before. Like, mm -hmm. remember, it was all about like, like, yeah, there were some scrappy people that were able to get a marketing team together or whatever. But pe over time, people just invest money in you. But then we start seeing people like in this Instagram time of people are like, just doing it for the gram, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were, they were doing content that looks very similar to high end content. And, you know, looking back on it, we're like, oh yeah, it's, I understand how to do that now. But back then people didn't know how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like people were like, oh, this must be an important influencer. This girl must make so much money. Look at her on the, on the beach. Mm -hmm. And like, it still worked. But now we're in this like Gen Z area where it's just like, I don't want to talk to you unless you're freaking real. Like, I don't mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. I, I have no time to figure out. And right now they're trying to like, what sells you more is your flaws. Your ability to show flaws is what sells you more because that the only thing a business has is trust. Like if I don't trust that a business is real or cares about me or is making a good product, I'm not going to buy it. Like I just won't. And that's the same with people and bands and, movies or whatever like i just don't care like i think one of like the good like even like a good example of that is like morbius coming back yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah, like yeah. one of my favorite ones because it's like they made fun of it until and they got so much interaction that the studio was like this is real yeah. you know what i mean like we have them now we yeah. want them we're a darling and it's just like no. they came back and it didn't hit like maybe they got some like some they got more than they than they would have if they didn't do it I don't right know, man. They got, they, i think it made like ten thousand dollars and it, <laughs> did it really it yeah, did that bad i, I think oh, it was okay. really bad and if you know it cost them a lot more to get it back in theaters so it was pretty yes 100 percent. it cost them way more than ten thousand dollars um I think it's but, really funny too that they didn't see that it was all irony. Like people, <laughs> I don't know. As well, a company, think, it's like you don't like. I think they saw it. They didn't care because they thought it would yeah. transfer. They they thought it would it would transfer, and that's what I love about it because that proves that like you know, and I hate saying Gen Z because I I feel like it's all of us, right? Like it's millennials too. Like we mm -hmm. all have started to see through it, and like a lot of big companies don't get it like they don't mm -hmm. understand and even us because you know i'll get new people in marketing meetings and they'll be like they'll be pitching ads mm -hmm. and i'm like mm -hmm. is this what you think we do like this isn't what we do but i think we grow up with it that we think like we try to mimic what we yeah. the the advertising we saw and what we should be doing is looking at advertising we didn't see because good advertising is fucking invisible like try to be invisible and like it's so much easier now because it's just honest like it's just like this is this is us drawing us talking and drawing and like are you in with this that's it and it's like oh yeah they're just talking and drawing cool i mean honestly that's one of the reasons why uh i mean for me at least when i talk about the podcast i'm just like i really want the information to be out there for the new generations because uh for me growing up i was just like it's so hard to find any kind of information yeah. and especially 
I feel like the market trends, like I, I found a couple of podcasts, but it was like for people who got in the industry 20 years ago and things have changed so much. And even my story and Jean's story now are starting to shift. I don't even know if our stories are relevant now yeah. for the for the kids who are trying to get into animation right now. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm just, you know, I feel like some of it is still relevant, I, uh, but I think it would be really great to just kind of have something that's at, at, not accurate, but um, but relevant to the new trends of like how to look for jobs, how to talk to people. And because yeah. it's such a, um, I don't know, it's an industry that, I don't know, like writers for um, live action will have a ton of podcasts. If you look into the podcast about like how to write for for tv live action tv you can find a ton but for animation there's there's starting to be a little bit more but there's not that much yeah. so um, yeah it's kind of interesting I, I wonder so whenever i feel like is this the way for, so first of all there is no way so anyone listening to this there is no like direct to this way there are a bunch yes. of people that yeah. found yeah and this is like it across the board in any in, in any single like art business that I found it, it's it's just a bunch of people some people figured out this worked and they went for it and it worked for them right mm -hmm. so when, when we look in comedy it's like it, comedy was different in the 70s different in the 80s 90s 2000s and there's these different levels um of entry different areas of entry and what people don't understand is that once one opens up um it bottlenecks it bottleneck like as soon as it becomes easy it bottlenecks because yeah. that means mm -hmm. more people apply or trying to get through that path right mm -hmm. so it's your job to pivot and yeah. one of the easiest way to do that is just look at the history of a different craft mm -hmm. is to look so if i was wanting to get into animation i would study what's going on study what happened and then i would look at un like maybe music or maybe i'd look at like yeah, like how did like where is the Wild West? Because that's the easiest place to claim land, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the easiest place to go. And a lot of it comes down to: Are you willing to do what the other guy isn't? Yeah. And what the other guy isn't is usually the new, right? Like you have you have people in animation, probably. I don't know. I'm just using this as an example. Mm -hmm. um, that are you know have made some connections, has made some things, have a regular paycheck, don't really feel like maybe they need to grind as hard as they needed to do in their 20s after school, mm -hmm. you know, and they're not interested in TikTok. Maybe they got their, maybe they got their, um, their, their posting on Instagram, like really yeah. well, they get 18,000 likes whenever they post a reel, you know, they get a bunch of views and they're just like, I, don't want to learn another thing. I'm doing great the yeah, way I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that path is full. But if you go to TikTok and you're like, I don't see anyone like that over here. I guess it doesn't work. You are wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like go where there is a need, where there where there's people that aren't aren't lazily flourishing, I think is a good is a good barometer for your mm -hmm. onto something. Like when you see someone like, just like I drank milk today and they get a million likes, you're like, I can't compete with drinking milk. I'm trying to make my animation, mm -hmm. like get somewhere where like a bunch of people are and 
real find those deficits. There's always deficits. Whenever there's access, um, so innovation will make access. It happens mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. So like, like a uh, man, I don't want I, I know nothing about animation, so I don't know why I'm using this. Yeah, you, you don't have to stick to animation, <laughs> but I appreciate you. But <laughs> like, let's say, it. let's say like, I can't afford animation cells. I'm just one guy. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, some dude made some type of software that works at your home computer and not need like some huge server at work. Uh, so you could actually use that, right? So that innovation open the door for access for millions of people to do, right? Millions mm-hmm. of people to use. And there were some people that were like, well, I'm just gonna keep working at my studio because I got every single thing I need in the world. And you know you know how much harder you have to work on that home thing? It's like, yeah, a lot harder, <laughs> but you know what? They did it. And when that started to get too easy, when the doors got too wide and too many people tried to go through it at, at one time, there was some other there is right now some other point of entry that people are not doing because one it hasn't been proven yet or two they are too comfortable and if you are hungry you can look at those and like really you can be the first one you could be a pioneer somewhere right Mm-hmm. It's just you really have to want it and you have to go. Here's the thing. You have to go and do it without mm-hmm. a guarantee. I think that's very true. I think there's this, it kind of almost just goes back to the simple adage of like, just show up, just show up every day. And eventually, mm-hmm. you know, like if you, I, I, I really do agree with that. Cause it's like, I don't know, we can just like try to figure out a million different things. And at the end of the day, I think people can tell if you believe in something and you're doing it mm-hmm. because you love doing it and you feel that there's value in just doing it. It's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. <laughs> but it all comes back to that, right? And it's like, I feel like, yeah, I f- yeah, yeah, yeah. It all really makes sense. And then it's like, you know. There's a million places and a million things people can be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A lot of it comes down to, you know, um, God, I think it's the usual suspects. Have you ever seen that movie? The usual suspects. I yeah, I have actually <laughs> I watched it at a festival where it was yeah. like, you know, like um started at five and it ended at three AM. And I, I think I it was I watched it around the one AM mark and I saw the beginning, fell asleep, woke up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, Oh yeah, obviously it was that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I spoiled it for myself. Oh no! <laughs> it, um, there, there's a scene um, and a line from that movie that I think about all the, and I don't even know if it's right. I could have changed this line a million times in my head. I haven't seen this movie in years, but he, they're talking about how like, uh, spoiler alert for this movie that came out twenty something years ago, like 1990, <laughs> I think that's 1998. Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're past spoilers. Um, but they're talking about that Kaiser Sose, the like the dude, the meanest dude in the world, the the best crime boss or whatever. And he, they say this line. Um, so like they were holding his like wife hostage and his like kids hostage or something like that. And he like walks in the room and they have guns to their head. 
And uh, I mean, it's a messed up scene. And he ends up like, and it's not even true because it's all being made up by that guy, <laughs> you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says when he tells the story that like he shoots the kid and, and uh, he shoots his own kid and his wife because they're going to die anyways. And um, mm-hmm. he needed to show that like they couldn't, that this other crime boss couldn't hurt him or something like that. And um, someone says the line like, true power is the ability to do what the other guy won't. And I think about that, not in terms of such high stakes as my family's life, (laughs) (laughs) but but in terms of just like, what is the comfortable person or what is an uncomfortable person not doing in these situations? And, you know, a lot of times in art, it's not cool to talk about your thing, right? Like your Mm -hmm. thing should exist and people should find it and you're cool. Um, and, and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for us. And, and I think it's it's different for every person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes talking about yourself is hard for a person. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you look at these people and you're like, how do you talk about your mediocre work every freaking day? Like, I don't understand how you talk about it. So, and, and we we use that as an excuse. Like, I never want to look like this person that I dislike online. So I'm never going to be the person that shills my work like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on you man like that's on you that's you using someone else as an excuse Mm -hmm. like what you should be doing is like shooting your shot of like doing the thing that the other guy won't do so for you that might be self-promotion uh for you that might be Mm -hmm. maybe showing up to a uh you know a panel at a convention and actually Mm -hmm. talking to people there waiting for the panelists to be done and talking to them and making connections Mm -hmm. right like good things happen when you leave your house guys like that's great (laughs) advice for anyone in any type of art field like you like more things have happened more things have propelled my like profession my my professional career when I leave the house like every single time Mm -hmm. Every single time when I say yes to like going to a hangout party with people or like, you know, talking to people at a panel or just going to a convention, uh, when I lower those expectations of like, oh, no one's going to buy my stuff. It's like maybe maybe getting a table at a convention, you won't sell a lot of stuff because a lot of people won't know you. But maybe think about it in your head in terms of like if I had a marketing budget. And I treated it like, like if I treated this table as a marketing budget to meet all, all these other artists that I freaking love, if I just treated it like that, like, could I get my money back in the end? It's like in marketing, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, probably people talk about like, don't pay for exposure. Don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I mean, yeah, don't don't be abused. Like, don't try to, don't, don't try to like, whenever you think that someone's going to take care of you more than the effort you are putting in, it's never going to happen. Yeah. It's never going to, you're, you're getting taken advantage of, you know, but when you, sometimes you can get opportunity and you can get a stamp. So I believe in stamps too. Like there's a stamp that people give you, right? I wrote on, people say like, I wrote on this show or I worked on this show. That's a stamp, right? Oh, like a stamp of uh, approval or like a, like a, um, like a milestone or? Yeah, Yeah, a stamp of approval, Mm -hmm. a stamp of existence Mm -hmm. sometimes, right? Like I, I once was on critical role, 
right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a main cast member. I'm not, you know, I didn't do anything with it. It was a one shot, whatever. But that's a stamp of existence for a million freaking fans of Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't exist for them until, you know, I appeared on that show. So if if I myself treated myself like a business and they were like, hey, for X amount of dollars, you can have access to our fan base. Would you do it? You know, so think of it that way for X amount of dollars and marketing. Give yourself a marketing budget for the year. You mm-hmm. Don't spend all your money on marketing. It's silly mm-hmm. and stupid. And there's stuff that you can pay for and stuff that you can't pay for. But like, you know, a convention might instead of trying to look at a convention like I need to sell prints. And think of it as like, I'm not big enough to sell prints. Maybe you just think of it as like every day I'm going to walk around and I'm going to talk to these people and I'm going to show them, I'm going to invite them back to my booth um, and I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to show them that I'm on the level. There's a million different ways of things that people don't do um, because they're scared, because they don't think it'll work, but it's just pennies on the ground. Everything is a penny on the ground. Every single thing you do. Right. Like every single image you drew on this board today uh, is a penny on the ground. (laughs) Someone's going to like this one. Someone might like that one. Um, Is it going to make or break your career? No. Uh, But it's a penny on the ground and you're a penny richer today. So like that sounds like an old timey thing. But yeah, but yeah, it still works. It's it's still I think it still is um, applicable. I think it's just uh, I don't know. At the end of the day, like, yeah, the technology changes and maybe uh people's um lifestyles change but um at the core of it at the core of the experience it's all the same yeah it is <laughs> all of the like and across that. like yeah. if you are into animation or if you're into music or if you're into whatever ttrpgs writing it's all exactly the same like just know that it's all the same it's just people have different have higher skills and higher awareness in these fields but literally the same problem that like a writer is having in um for like a tv show is the same problem that like a writer's having in like ttrpgs or Mm -hmm. you know the same problem that a musician's having they're all the same like they're all the same problem they all have similar answers Mm -hmm. uh they all don't have the same answer but they all have similar answers but they might be like an answer for animation might have happened in music in the 90s That's why I say, like, look at what other people were doing at different times in history. And you might be able to, like, cobble together. Just get high and think about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice. Um, What, uh, how how do you deal with creative block? And uh, what does it feel like for you? Um, I don't really have creative blocks. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds like a jerk thing to say. Um, I, I have dead ends for sure. But I... I go for like a random, a random thing. Like, what does it feel like? How do I get out of here? What else feels like this? So like when I was in the band and I was working on music, I would reference movies all the time. Mm. Um, So I'd be like, this part feels like the Godfather part two, where he's on the roof and he's looking down and he's, you know, um, and I just try to throw things together. I'm like, You know, we're a hardcore band, but this reminds me of like fireworks by Katy Perry. (laughs) I just want people to be like, "Mm, mm, mm." 
I want that feeling. So I guess I go to feeling a lot of times. Like, how do I want, whenever I get, I guess, yeah. Whenever I have a creative block, I go to feeling. Like, how do I want the audience to feel? How do I want the user to feel? Mm -hmm. um, and usually if you start there and work back, it, usually if you start there and you think like, oh, that was awesome because you want to impress them or you want them to think it's awesome, right? Like, like what makes you feel like, oh, that's awesome. And I, I feel like we all have a never ending supply of awesome moments in our life, mm -hmm. both in like the things we're creating or the things we want to create or the things that like other people have created. So like, just think about like what made you feel like that. And I feel like that helps me like um, every single time. That's yeah. a great answer. I love that. That is a good answer. Yeah. Um, we got a question from uh, Twitter. Uh, that is from at spooky underscore cat. Were you mm -hmm. always a D and D fan or did you stumble into it as a professional? Um, I stumbled into this entire career. <laughs> um, I, I literally played D and D I was working as, uh, I was doing graphic design in this studio that this guy owned and he ran a podcast network and he was like, hey, you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? I was like, you know, I've never played that game before. I'm like, let's do it. Because, like, it also seemed like something I would have played years ago, like, for sure. I was definitely that kid. Um, and I played it once, and I was like, this is fantastic. This is phenomenal. This is scratching every itch. And I had I'd already been kind of, like, over the improv thing that I'd done for a while in my shows and stuff like that. But it was just like the perfect marriage of like improv and structure and mm -hmm. like the cool part of like running a business that I love. And he was like, uh, the second time we played, he was like, hey, we should start a podcast because he, he does podcasts. And I was like, cool. And I'm like, I'm down. And I was under the impression that I had never listened to a podcast before. And I had never listened to a TTRPG podcast before. And I was under the impression that it would have to sound like an audio drama, like a radio show drama. Um, so I had a bunch of music experience and editing experience. So when I got it, I was like, okay, let's record it, multi-channel record, and I would edit it down. So like I kind of got rid of anything that kind of didn't pu push the story forward, anything that was kind of like boring. I got rid of ums and ahs. Uh, and just made the rolling a lot faster. And then I wrote music and sound effects and just made it this, just the, a delightful little show. Um, and then that, that did really well. And Dungeons and Dragons like listened to it and they were like, Hey, you want to do another podcast? And I was like, yeah, sure. And one of our podcasts, and I was like, yeah, sure. It was a, for an event. And then later that guy was like, Hey, do you want to do a streaming show? And I was like, yeah, let's do a streaming show. So then they had us do a streaming show. They flew us out to LA to do this like event. And then I met people from Roll20 and they were like, you do what now? And they, I told them like the full gamut of stuff I was doing. I think they researched me because by the end of the year, they had offered me a, a job as, um, you know, their content producer. Mm. And then, yeah, man, like it was just, grinding after that just like kind of just doing the stuff that i love and then people would pay attention to it so i, I was very fortunate and I, honestly I, everything that i talked about in this podcast i did too you know yeah, yeah. like I, I didn't exist uh i made stuff and i had a lot of long nights creating content for sure yeah well that was awesome 
Yeah, um, that's great. That's the end of this creative block. Carlos, thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun, guys. I love talking about this stuff. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Block without Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for joint prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor Clements for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Coming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And that was me. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 bye.